Start recording. Do we clap at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just get the intro. We must perform the sacred clap. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Comic Literate Podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, penny dreadfuls, web comics, newspaper comics. And essentially any single frame illustrations where the characters use bubbles to talk or think. I'm your host, the soon-to-be known as Comic Stan. And with me, as always, is my uh, soon-to-be-named host, because I'm about to introduce him in a second. His name is Jamie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit pepping my step at a chocolate bar, like, right before we started. I thought, like... That might be the sugar high that keeps yeah. me going, but also I might just crash in it in a minute anyway. So we'll see. I oh. made a really good burrito for dinner. Really? Mm, it was quite exciting. See, this is the kind of banter that the people tune in for. <laughs> the thing <laughs> every is, every week we're old now. We are old. We are old. And so there's nothing more exciting in my day than my burrito being good, and my burrito was good. Well, we're glad uh, we're glad to hear it, and obviously that is the uh, that was the subject of today was how's the burrito. So uh, join us next week when we <laughs> go over Monday's dinner. Um, yes, we are second episode of the Comic Sound podcast. Uh, the first episode, if anyone uh, does listen to that, will notice the sound of chaos in the background from a rabid kitten that uh, attacked me a couple of times, attacked some inanimate objects a couple of times. I'll hasten to add that I'm a responsible cat owner and she isn't rabid. She is vaccinated, but she is feral. Feral, yeah. Feral is just the non-chemical rabid. <laughs> feral is, is like, yeah. she, we can bring her back mm. from, from the edge. But you know what? Um, I was editing the the, the first episode, last yeah, week's episode. Uh, I'm in the process of editing it. It's uh, it's first time editing a podcast on a particular type of software, mm. so it's just learning the ins and outs. Uh, I'm using Reaper, which I highly recommend, even though my low experience. But I've recorded music in Reaper, and it's fun. Yeah, the thing about Reaper is very daunting from the start. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's probably one of the worst. Um, what do you call it? Uh, accessibility to uh to amateurs but yeah. once you know how to do things it's the most intuitive like uh customizable you know it's it's great if anyone's thinking of recording anything reaper for sure i used to use audacity but then that got bought by a russian company and uh who knows what's going on with there so never mind but one thing i did know is uh not in the recording of the podcast because again there's some noise in the background whatever and i did kind of think like comparing us to you know uh professional podcasts uh, the already <laughs> established ones you know how do we rank up to them right and to some first episode not great comparatively mm. just just the way it is but one podcast i listen to right and i won't name it for obvious reasons but Gosh. it's a prominent podcast within a niche market right so most people don't know about it but if you're in this market you <laughs> it's a recognizable name within that market okay. right they have uh recorded ads from one of the prominent people so even if this person is not on a podcast they have they have recorded ads that will appear on other episodes yeah, right? yeah. and there are you know it's you know your blue chews your the other the non-dick pill ones you know all those and i'm listening to this podcast and it's for it's over zoom which i hate i absolutely hate the zoom recording like hey, low quality cgp and great cgp gray and brady make it work yeah and, the, and not everyone's got it that's the problem but you know they're they're mid recording, and I'm already a bit like ah, Zoom, but you know I like the people, I like the content. And then it comes in with the pre-recorded ad, and this ad must have been recorded on like 
a tape deck on a helicopter next to a volcano or something. Well, that the cow would be fine. Like, <laughs> but this was like this quality, and like, okay, and let's uh, go to this ad forever. It's like, like <laughs> recorded in a rush in a cupboard. It's like, look, I'm in my car, I'm driving. I'll just do it on my phone quickly, and then you like feed it into the. And I was just like, you know what? I I listened to this. And I thought, you know what? Bollocks. Our first, our first episode sounded great by comparison. Yeah, there's a cat going mental in the background, but at least you can hear what we're saying. You Absolutely. Know? It's, it doesn't matter. It's all good. Again, not calling out names, but you know who you are. <laughs> so now we've got all the pleasantries out the way as uh, as mandatory in the contract. Um, we are going to be looking at something slightly different, and it is different because it's the second episode, so anything would be different at this point. But we are looking at something that we're not going to hit on too much, but something that we're going to visit every once in a while. In terms of the medium, I'm talking about manga, which is going to yeah, be Yeah, we're talking about manga, and we're talking about something that I like so much, you can hear. That is a physical copy. That was him uh, flipping his laptop open and close <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> no, 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 look, it's real, genuine tree matter that has been bound together. I can vouch that it is genuine paper. So today, we're talking about, am I allowed to introduce it? Yeah, go on, yeah, take it away. Um, we're talking about the Pokemon Adventures comics. Mangas. Mangas. <laughs> You're going to be doing that a lot. Oh no, I'm going to get in trouble. The manga police are very I keep fun. telling you, the, the the graphic novel police are going to come around and yeah. do us in. They're gonna, they, got us yesterday, they got us last week. I know, and I, f- I forget what it even was. Was it the dick stuff? I mean, probably. It's, it's, it's going to be, I mean, if they're going to come at us for that, it's going to be nonstop, so they might yeah, as well. So I, this is one that I really wanted to talk about, because it's really bloody good. Or at least I think it's. Um, so this was written... In 1977 is when the first issue landed. Um, it was written after the video game came out. And I think that's something that surprised you when I told you about it, is that actually it's a manga based off the video game and not the other way around. Yes, and I, I did have that misconception for the longest time because, and I realised that as I was reading it, the reason is, is most Japanese things start with the manga. And yes, then everything 100%. else normally comes after it. And I just assumed that was the case with Pokemon as well. But And a lot of people in the West would be forgiven for thinking that mm. because Pokemon Red and Blue version came out in 1999 in the US and Europe. Mm. What they forget is that Pokemon Red and Green version came out in 96 in Japan. I was also surprised by the green version. Yeah, so the originals were red and green mm. and then blue version was a remaster um, which came out as a standalone in Japan. And that's the version that became red and blue in the US and Europe. And you know what's even more uh, annoying is, spoiler for the comic, we're not worrying about spoilers because it's 25 years old. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? But one thing that annoyed me is that the main character is not, not there's, is not named Ash, and that's not what annoyed me. His name is Red, which is mm. a little weird in itself. But what annoys me is he's his name is Red, his rival's name is Green. Red has Bulbasaur from the star, who is a <laughs> leaf-type green Pokemon. And Green has Charmander. Who is a red fire-based. <laughs> What's worse is that Red doesn't even start with Bulbasaur as a starter Pokemon. He just has a random Poliwhirl that he's hanging out with. A random Poliwhirl. And it's only because if it wasn't for the animes, the subsequent animes and the game and everything... You know the starter three Pokemon of the yes. of the of the main of the games. 
I wouldn't have thought anything of it because, mm. you know, you'd just be your first kind of introduction. And I'll tell you what as well, which kind of surprised me. I don't know why. I think if it was the manga starting, I think I had more of an idea of like, oh, they slowly were doing these issues yeah. and brought out more Pokemon and, you know, they, it built from there. And then eventually the game came out and it had 150 Pokemon. But apparently some guy in Japan just went, Pokemon. And they're like, what? Like, Pokemon. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, there's 150 of them. Like, what? Jeez. Like, yeah. can we start with like 10? Like, So it was Satoshi Tajiri, his name is. Well done. Um, Thank you. And there's actually a really, side note for anybody who's interested, um, he has what I, I think is one of the most interesting mangas I've ever read, which is an autobiographical manga. Of? Him. Okay, right. Somebody, <laughs> somebody wrote, sorry, it's not autobiographical, it's biographical. Right. Somebody wrote a biography of, of him as a manga, and it details his development of the franchise, which I think is really interesting, because it's not a genre you'd really expect to see a biography written in. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of interesting bio- biographies uh, done in like graphic novel mm. form and stuff more recently. So it dep- like, depending on how old that one is, that could have been very ahead of the curve. I believe it's from the noughties. Very ahead of its curve then, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good. Mm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it was written by the same guy. And uh, I suppose one of the, the first things to get across is uh, you already were a big fan of this title. I have also enjoyed it. I've enjoyed reading it. I only got up to chapter 31, 32. Yeah. I felt like that was enough to get a good idea of what the story's like and everything. But here's my caveat for liking it. Okay. I think I liked it somewhat, maybe mostly because it's a very similar story, eerily similar to the story of the game. Those Game Boy games, Red and Blue, were like my peak. Uh, you know, your first is your best yeah. kind of thing. That was my earliest peak gaming experience. Like to the point where nothing's touched it since. And weren't they fantastic? They were amazing, especially for the time. Because mm. um, at that time, there was like, there were some consoles around. Like the Game Boy was like the, yeah. it, your console at home, but handheld and you can take it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you had your consoles and you had like Nintendo 64 and uh, maybe a PlayStation, the first PlayStation. Possibly around, a Sega like, Mega late, Drive. Late 90s, uh, 2000 kind of time. Mm. But those games were, thinking back, what I think was those games at the time were like, do a level, that's the game. Second level, the game, but a little bit harder. Third level, yeah. game, a little hard, new enemy, that kind of thing. Whereas this had a curve. Well, not only has an amazing curve, but it feels like, uh, open world when yeah. it isn't even like we were years off open world games really mm. but it felt it because it seamlessly took you from level to level because they weren't really levels and i absolutely yeah and i think in the west it was our first experience of an rpg yeah for a lot of people for sure i can't think of an rpg that i played before i played pokemon red version and yeah no i completely agree with you it was a really big gaming experience if you are interested in the game itself I would highly recommend the manga. I've looked it up. It's called A Look at the... It's uh, the man who created Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri. Um, and it was published in 2018. And it's relatively recent, but it okay. really it really goes into depth on the technical aspects of making that game fit on a Game Boy cartridge. Um, because that, that game was a real marvel of what you could do on a Game yeah. Boy cartridge. And not only did it feel like an open world... But it had this entire system of 150 playable characters, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this, this whole system for catching them and finding them and, and 
fighting and it had all the uh the systems with the weaknesses and the strengths and everything which also came into play for me a bit while reading this manga so yeah this is again like i really loved it because it really took me back to this nostalgic time. So I don't know how much I would have liked to say if I'd never played the games or something. And that's a really interesting point because I've, I'm a Nuzlocker. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I feel like you should be locked up. Yeah, no, I've, I should. It's, mm. it's sadism. Um, so it's, it's a way of playing the Pokemon games as an adult that retains the challenge. Okay. I've, I have actually recently played them myself. Yeah. Which one? Uh, I think I played blue. Cause that oh, was the cool. one I, that was the one I, 151 completed so the way you nuzlocke a game is that you're only allowed to attempt to catch the first pokemon you see on every route right so if you get onto route one and you see a pigeon you don't catch it that's your encounter for that route gone and you carry on and then if something faints it is dead right so you can never use it you can never use it again so this this is the this is the pokemon game boy equivalent of the (laughs) dark souls no die runs this is People exactly just making it exceptionally it. hard of themselves. And when you ask why, it's like, well, because I just wanted to prove I could. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I'm a Nuzlocker. And so I've never really like fallen out of the Pokemon franchise. I just will happily sit there and play a Pokemon game and I'll get really angry and something faints. And people are like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I lost my King, and it's a Nuzlocke. Um, so I never really fell out of love with the franchise. And that weakness resistance thing is interesting because it's mm. essentially just rock, paper, scissors. Yes, and a more if yes, and in a more complex sense with the number of types. Yeah, um, but the reading the manga, I would get points where I feel, having not only just played the game, but like you know this intense history with it and experience with it and knowing it quite well inside and out, you'd get to these points where like this is like a weird example, but there's a point where Red and Misty are about to go into some caves yeah. and. Misty goes, um, I'll be fine. There's only water Pokemon in there and I've got water Pokemon. And immediately I'm like, those caves, some of those caves have water Pokemon. Some of them have rock Pokemon yeah. and you would be beneficial. But if you think there's water Pokemon in there, you've got the same type and that's not an advantage nor disadvantage. You're not getting any stab moves mm. off. And I almost wrote it down as like a, as a uh, plot hole, but then I was like, well, she'll be all right. She just won't be a negative effect it's like going to rock with rock yeah exactly yeah absolutely but the gamer mind from the original games for me i'm thinking get an electric like get one electric like even the the weakest electric will rinse the 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 higher level take your pikachu in there with you exactly and i think the the weaknesses and the strength they were kind of a nerf in the um in the games like if you if you knew what to do with what then yeah and that kind of affected my reading of the manga i couldn't kind of be like i couldn't quite sit back and be like uh red being like oh i've got a ground type and he's resistant resistant to electric because you can't electrocute the ground or something and if it wasn't for the game i might have been like oh that's a clever thing they've thrown into there but as the gamer i'm like yeah rock type what you should have already had the rock type out if they had the electric yeah absolutely you should have just gone straight in with that graveler exactly so i'm I'm very aware we're doing this whole review thing and what do we think of it and stuff and i i I was very aware of my own biases from my history with it i think that's really interesting I think that's really interesting and it's really valid because this just, I mean, it was a popular manga, mm. um, but it's never been that popular. 
I mean, considering we're talking about one of the most popular franchises... The most successful franchise of all time. Yeah, we're talking about the most successful franchise of all time here. Considering we're talking about the most popular franchise of all time here, yeah, this is some primary source shit. Yeah. yeah. And it's not known. People, people aren't... Pokemon fans aren't walking up to each other going... Aren't the adventures comics amazing? Mm. Um, and so I, th- I think that's really interesting that we're coming. Everyone is reading this is kind of coming back to it in retrospect. Well, there's there's a lot of Japanese titles which, again, my misconception about it originally starting as a manga. There's a lot of Japanese things which start as mangas or animes, and then you get once it that becomes successful, and then there's another stage like a next media, yes. like TV, film, live action, video games that then reaches the larger world and that's the thing that gets remembered as the popular thing. Yeah, absolutely. Normally it's manga and then animes. Like Dragon Ball Z was yeah. a manga originally, but no one really cares about that. At least no one in the West really cares about that as much as people who care about the uh, the anime because we grew up with the anime and it was like on when we got home from school. I mean, the fact that you talk about the Dragon Ball Z anime when actually it was Dragon Ball. Yeah, is yeah, evidence yeah. in is evidence in exactly. itself that actually you have to be fairly knowledgeable on manga to even know about Dragon Ball. Yep, um, and know that it exists as this kind of precursor to Dragon Ball Z. And there was a Dragon Ball TV show, really but, good. but but again, did not reach the popularity. And I think it was literally like a, a time thing. Like Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball the original series was maybe popular then dragon ball z was like even more popular and that's the one that's remembered it helped that dragon ball z was syndicated on cartoon network yes. and written for a more western audience redubbed for sure yeah dragon ball is this ve- dragon ball relies really heavily on you having an understanding of japanese mythology mm. and the yokai the monsters in japanese mythology again that is a story for another time it also mm. if you want some really interesting early pokemon art look up the yokai yosai they are a set of monsters from Japanese mythology, and they look real Pokemon-y. Mm. I'm just going to give you the exact I mean, name. there's a lot of stuff like that that look like Pokemon because there's so many Pokemon yeah. that had to draw experience from somewhere. I mean, you you don't think of it. At, you, I never thought of it at the time, but how weird is it that 150 Pokemon, they were like, we, like, we need a couple more. We need more ideas. Like, what about one that's Jackie Chan and one that's Bruce Lee? Like, I know. And- why? But great. And the thing, so when they were creating the Pokemon at Game Freak, mm. um, they used to get, they got every staff member to start coming up with designs and they had them all sellotaped to the wall and people would walk up and vote on them. And so they had hundreds of these fuckers and there's loads of them that didn't make the game. And so what you're seeing is what they thought were the best, you're seeing a distilled version yeah. of the list that they had. They started with a thousand whittled down the best 150 yeah. um and there's one there's one notable uh one notable pokemon missing that mm. it still breaks my heart which is gorichu it was the evolved version of raichu it right. was a big spiky raichu did they not bring that in for the later generations no they gave pikachu a baby version instead so yeah. it became a three-stage I mean, evolution more marketable that's, that's baby yoda logic that's and, and and this is absolutely it they wanted another pikachu that was more marketable so they gave it a baby and version. it still didn't take off like pikachu even no today. and that's something that's really interesting about this is that it predates mm. pikachu being the mascot of pokemon true but pikachu is very prominent i don't think like none of the other pokemon really have an arc like he does right yeah absolutely no that's really interesting actually um, yeah, Red's Pikachu is pretty badass, isn't he? Yeah. 
And it always, that was always an interesting thing about the anime, like how overpowered Pikachu was, but they did explain it in the anime. I don't know if they did, they, they might have got to this in the manga, but they explained it in the anime where early on, I think they, people are like, you should evolve him with yeah. uh, electric stone because he's, he's pretty overpowered now. So you need to like accommodate the extra power by evolving him to a Raichu. And I think that must've been, that was very early on. Cause that was like the third, um, third gym with the Lieutenant Surge guy. Mm. in the anime and then ash doesn't want to because pikachu doesn't want to and i think they kind of explain it's like this pikachu because he hasn't evolved he's an overpowered first generation pokemon yeah sense. i don't know if they get that in the manga past what i got to or not i mean for all the pokemon game nerds i think it's all the speed evs from those spearos he knocked out in the first episode oh but... for sure yeah <laughs> xp yeah oh have you not heard of evs EVs. I'll tell you about EVs later. We can't podcast about EVs. I'm just what <laughs> sounds so. Disturbing. What I'm getting into is really heavy Pokemon, like later generation game mechanics that All became right. really important. We'll, we'll stick to the manga from from yeah. now on. Um, I'll tell you one thing I didn't like. Uh, go for it. This it's not so much I didn't like, but I was a bit kind of like that's a bit weird that why they're doing this. So I like the overarching story with Team Rocket. Like that's. Great. Yeah, you, isn't it you cool? laid the framework. It's exactly like the game. So I obviously enjoyed that as well. You know, who is Team Rocket? Like, who are these people? Oh, there's more of them here. Oh, they're doing this thing now. What are they up to? You know, I, I and more of a coherent story in the manga because they have revealed plans. Mm. Whereas in the game, you more just kind of thwart their plans as you go along. Yeah. They have like a new scheme when you get to the town and you, yeah. you, you know, sort that out and whatever. But what I didn't like was the introduction of Mew in the first chapter straight in the first panel there's a mute <laughs> exactly and the reason is is like this is what i was saying before the guy who created pokemon just literally went from nothing to 150 pokemon like yeah that we're, we're already in like keep up stupid that kind of thing and in this chapter it's you you're say you've picked up the manga for the first time you haven't played the game whatever you open the manga you're like here are pokemon these are monsters people train them and catch them and fight them and blah, blah. and you're like all right all right i'm keeping up it's like there's 150 pokemon you're like oh geez all right let me write that down whatever it's like look look there's a mew it's a phantom pokemon what's that i don't know like you've already you're already like head first into the concept and then they're already breaking the conventions straight yeah. away and it doesn't give you the time to be like wait what was that and i feel like if you just left a little bit of time got the reader used pokemon and this is again this is from a if you hadn't read it or played the game or anything you didn't know pokemon beforehand i'm trying to come at from that angle you come from that angle like let them get used to pokemon first and then start breaking the rules because that's what you do in any kind of story you you make yourself some rules and then you creatively break your rules to you know add suspense and create new mystery and blah 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 probably shouldn't say that on podcast because people are literally tuning in to hear us talk probably don't want to say say the word blah and what's really interesting about the Mew thing is that most people in 97 wouldn't have known what Mew was. Exactly. So Mew isn't in the core game. There's a glitch yep. where you can catch Mew. But do you know when that was discovered? Uh, I had a Mew probably I don't know, a couple of years, at least a couple of years after release. 2003. Okay, yeah. 2003 is when the Mew glitch became commonly known. Do you know the specifics of the Mew? Oh, yeah, I can Mew Glitch. Mm. Yeah. But like how, uh, you might already know this, but why I just read it today. So they part, he was partially written into the game yeah. and then he wasn't completed because yeah. they decided not to put him in. He, she, they, whatever Mew's pronouns are. And then... Um, they, I imagine they, Mew's... Well, Mew's Seems like a they. 
Yeah, and even Mewtwo is kind of genderless as well. Mewtwo doesn't get a gender. Yeah. yeah. So they they didn't put Mew in, but they'd written some of the their code. Um, the What happened was there was a uh, Game Boy cheat thing. Well, so you put it in the Game Boy, you put the game, and you get cheats for the games you play. And that cheat completed the missing code. Oh, no. there's yeah. You can get Mew without the cheat pack. Oh, I never did it without the cheat pad. Right, yeah. So, no, the cheat packs came out. Um, but So, Mew was written into the game as an event Pokemon. So, you would go to a big machine in department stores in Japan. You would put your copy of Pokemon Red version in the machine and it would give you a Mew. Um, but there is a glitch that you can do. Like, physically, just you and your Game Boy. There's a glitch that you can do to get a Mew. But the point is, Mew was an event Pokemon. It was locked in the code of the game. Mm. So you will have, if you were a really attentive six-year-old, you would have seen um, some text about Mew in Cinnabar Island. Yep. You would have heard people talk about Mew, but you wouldn't have experienced Mew. And unless you were a fairly attentive gamer, you probably wouldn't have found Mew too on your first playthrough as a six-year-old. I think, I think it i think it was written into the game where once you did the the league once, once you, you beat the elite four you could go to cerulean city and find him yeah but that cave wasn't do they not push you in that direction at all they no they never signpost it right so yeah. i can't remember if they did or that not. cave. honestly you beat the league there's no longer a bloke in front of that cave and you step in and everything's level 60 right <laughs> what the fuck is going on here um, and so, yeah, no, I think it's a really interesting choice that they made to have Mew on the front panel mm. because it would have been the first time a lot of people had seen him. And I suppose that makes him their only unique asset. You know, while we're on this topic, I think uh, now is as good a time as any for me to reveal, uh, maybe also better ways to confess something that I've been sitting on for quite a few decades now. What's that? In my original playthrough. Yeah. Not my original. I first played red version and yeah. I got pretty far in that, enjoyed it. And then the save got corrupted and I lost it. So then I just played blue from the start. Blue was the one I did 151, complete yeah. everything on. I used the missing no cheat to get rare candies. We've all done that. Yeah. We've all done that. But I mean, no one's admitted it. Like it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those things that everyone's, everyone's done, but no one will be brave enough <laughs> To come on to a podcast and announce and ask forgiveness from the Pokemon higher-ups. The community at large. I did the Missing No Cheat. It was awesome. I loved the admin of <laughs> go here, do this, go here, do that. Free stuff. Like, so the it's like missing, winning the lottery. The Missing Go Cheat is but like... cheating at the lottery. <laughs> so you know the first part of the Missing Go Cheat where you go talk to the bloke who teaches you how to catch Pokemon and fly away? Yes. That's the first half of the Mew glitch. Yeah. Okay. And then you muck about in Cerulean City for a little bit, and then Mew just appears at like level seven or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I think I think it's a really interesting choice they made, and I think it's probably because he was the only unique asset they had. Mm. Everything else had kind of... You'd seen everything else by playing the game, but Mew was something that they had access to that they could use. Um, so... This is going to be an issue with this episode, is every time we... Anytime we talk about the um, the manga, it's going to come back to the games because they're so, especially for us in our generation, they're so intrinsically linked. Yeah. Um, so it's, so, it's going to be difficult to do one without the other. So maybe we should actively try and do that. And I can talk about one of the things that I find really interesting about the game. Yep. 
the game or the manga? <laughs> Did you mean manga? Oh, I meant manga. All right, well, we're not editing out, so... Uh, let's no, just, I'm not let's, editing that out. We, the mistakes not, happen. Not that we've edited anything out no, so nothing far. Has nothing been edited, nothing yeah. at all. Nothing's been edited. We've not been coughing our vapey lungs up or anything. This is all real life as it is. <laughs> so... This is the real world. <laughs> I think that this comic book is mm-hmm. a really great expression of something that was happening in the 90s, which is a kind of worldwide scepticism of genetic research. Yep. I mean, especially the the Mewtwo storyline from the start. It, 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 100%, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so yeah, and the, and the Mewtwo storyline in the game, oh my God, we went straight back there, um, is... Mm. A minor subplot that you see for one dungeon. If yep, yep, you you go to Cinnabar Island, you walk around the lab, you see some Mewtwo stuff, and then that's it. It's a very minor subplot that you could almost miss if you weren't being quite an attentive gamer in that particular dungeon. And then both this comic and to a certain this extent, manga, this manga, <laughs> both this manga and the Pokemon film from what ninety nine two thousand great film both have that aspect of it as their central observation yep yep the central observation of those films is we are going of the of these pieces of media is that we're going to hone in on that one aspect of it and make it central to everything that our story is about there really are only two core stories and arcs from from the that from the first generation of pokemon it's mewtwo and by extension mew and friendship will defeat anything yeah that kind of thing (laughs) yeah i mean there's i suppose really the other the other main plot of the game is the team rocket stuff which is very present here and i think better represented here yes yeah i'd say so um i think the anime the part of the problem with the anime was they was kind of toned down for the kids absolutely well financially it was probably an amazing decision in the long run um but i think the anime the anime takes a bit of a hit where the manga was a bit more of a complex, longer overarching story. And the anime was like, Brock can't talk to women. And oh. I know, right? Yeah, the anime's weak, I think, in comparison. Well, I mean, for a kid show, it was, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know why the manga doesn't seem, the manga just doesn't seem as much of a, a kid uh, focused uh, product, does it's it? It's more adult, isn't it? It's more adult and not in the way that Japanese stuff can sometimes be. And if you've read Japanese manga and stuff, you know exactly what I'm talking it's about. It's more adult, not more adult in air quotes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's like references to torture or like a Pokemon attacks on humans being like torture and used for torture. Yes. Like that's one thing I know is recently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, they're like the Team Rocket guys will routinely use their Pokemon to attack humans. Like I'm literally looking at a panel here where Giovanni has Red pinned up against the wall with his drill. Yes. And that's vicious. And in the anime, it was like, oh, Ash has been shocked by Pikachu again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> i tell you what I liked. I really liked the one chapter with Giovanni introduction. Yeah. I thought that was very clever. I thought that was, again, I came at this manga thinking it was going to be a kid's thing. And I'd say at least half of it is quite, you know, kid-oriented, yeah. you know, power of friendship, uh, red has like he he trains pokemon with his heart and not his head kind of yeah absolutely bollocks. yeah i agree but the giovanni introduction i thought was quite good because it literally is started off with like hey no one's in this gym um but there's a statue and they yeah. see the statue and then it cuts to 
Red talking to Giovanni, not knowing it's Giovanni. And it also does the thing of not um, having to ham-fist the story. Yes. Where it goes, oh, thanks for helping me out of that cave. Like, uh, uh, you know, I would never have been able to find these Pokemon fossils without you. And that, Red's like, well, thanks for letting me keep some. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a bit exposition-y, but yeah, yeah. it was better than I anticipated for this, what I thought was going to be, as I said, a very kid-based um, manga. So yeah. I really liked that story. I thought it was interesting, the whole Giovanni, like, you know, let's see what this kid's all about. He's thwarted our plans. And he doesn't even, you don't even realize he's Team Rocket till the end of that chapter. So yeah. he's just like, oh, I've heard about this trainer. Let's see what he's all about. And you know, there's some secrecy. And then right at the end, he's like, moves his jack. He's got the R on it. Like, yeah. I'm Team Rocket, lol. The same way that Sabrina reveals herself. Yes, Sabrina exactly. reveals herself to be Team Rocket. Um, So Team Rocket, their their central sort of mission in the book is that they're looking to create these genetically modified Pokemon that mm-hmm. they can use as weapons. And so there is an EV in just the out, book. Just out of interest, that's also the uh, plot to the latest Jurassic Park. Film, but, uh, <laughs> not the latest one, the one right before. So who had it first? You decide. What, do you mean the one with the guy from um, Parks and Recreation? Yes. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, Being yeah. the name that I can't find. There. Yeah. Um, the, they, they were like, well, what if we sold dinosaurs as weapons? It's like, well... We've already got guns, mate. We've got guns. It's like, yeah, but you can point a laser pointer and the <laughs> and the, the dinosaur goes for it. It's like, if you're pointing a laser pointer, you could just shoot him with a gun. <laughs> you this is excessive. But but I think it's interesting because it kind of it's a it's a it's a thing that is prevalent in comic books of the era. And so Peter Parker in the 1960s was bitten by a radioactive spider. Mm-hmm. In the 90s comics, it becomes a genetically modified spider. Yes. Uh, Fantastic Four with the Cosmic Rays. That was around the 60s. So that was space yeah. exploration and people literally not knowing what was in space. Yeah. And then, yeah, and we get to the 90s and the thing that we're scared about in science is genetic modification. And that is what becomes the main weapon that Team Rocket are trying to utilize. Mm. And so they create an EV which can evolve back and forth through its evolutionary stages so that ev bit threw me off it threw me off a little bit because i was like wait what it changes from forward to back they can't they they don't do that in the game and the anime absolutely exactly exactly and so it it's a departure from the anime but it's also along that same theme of the thing that we were scared of in the 90s and the way that it's been weaponized is so interesting like when they so there's a scene where Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, for those who have lived under a rock since 1996, they're the three legendary birds. Yeah, fuck you if you don't know that. <laughs> the three legendary birds get fused into one, like, awful mutant. Mm. And Red, you know, taken taken as a taken as a symbol, that's really interesting, because these Pokemon are legendary. They are quite literally the mystical beasts that these people's ancestors told stories about and they have been taken and turned into something else with this new science i do feel like that's one place the anime did better do you think because in the anime they really portrayed them as those legendary mystical maybe not even real yeah ethereal beings and in the manga it's like i'm gonna try and catch it with a pokeball it's like it's like seeing Bigfoot a bit like, I'm going to put a, a bloody collar and lead on him. Like, yeah. It's, it, I think the anime did a better job of making them like in awe of them. And then yeah. if you then got to, did they, I don't think they did this storyline in the anime with the, no. with the, but if you'd got to that, that would have felt more like 
capturing a phoenix and the Loch Ness monster and a ghost and and mashing them together in a horrific experiment. Yeah. Whereas in the in the manga, it feels like well, those are just three powerful Pokemon, and you're experimenting on them. Like you've been doing that already. These are just the most powerful you've you've got so far. I think that's an interesting perspective, and I suppose you're right that actually in this context, they're not portrayed as as legendary as they would have been. They're only you only know of them as legendary because someone goes, "Huh, legendary Pokemon." Yeah, absolutely. But I still think it's a, I still think it's an interesting on a symbolic level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, the core storyline. Yeah, for hundred percent. That was just a little like nagging thing I saw as as having watched the anime beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And then again with Mewtwo, Mewtwo and his spoon. Mm, mm. Did, you, did you get to Mewtwo? I spoon? didn't get in the manga, but but there was some of that in yeah in the the well, anime and the film. So Alakazam has a spoon. Mm. Right. But Where he gets it from, we don't know. No, he, he just has it. But he, keeps, in... he keeps pulling out spoons. I keep taking them away from I him. No, right? just, he just keep, pulls out another spoon. Where's he getting them from? In the um, manga, he has a giant spoon, you two. Like a mm. big one. Like a two all the psychics one have spoons, don't they? Well, well, not all of them, but so a lot. So Kadabra and Alakazam have a, have a spoon. Kadabra has one, and then Alakazam gets two. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's like a graduation kind Double of. Double spoon power. Well, it's but like when you pass a certain level of your like qualifications, like you yeah, got your absolutely. second spoon. <laughs> and then Hypno has like a like a pendulum. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, Mewtwo has this giant spoon that he wields. And it doesn't make a whole lick of sense, but I enjoy it. Just watching Mewtwo cut about with a spoon. I like how some of the Pokemon, because I used to have like the Pokedex book with all the mm. and the game descriptions and all that. I love how with some, they explain the items and some don't. So like yeah. a prime example was Cubone. Yeah. Who the skull oh. and oh. it was, it was oh. his mum's skull and she oh. died and he kept the skull and now he wears it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bit pretty metal, but it's pretty metal. But meant to be sad. There's a reason I have a Cubone skull tattooed on me. Yes. We'll take, it's we'll, so fucking metal. We'll get a picture. We'll put it on the socials at some point <laughs> in, in, in line with this episode. What, of my identifiable markings? I'd rather not. Yeah, you know, if you if you do crimes or something, they'll they'll be able to find it. But they they explained some. Another one was far fetched. He carried under a leak. Yeah, and absolutely. I can't remember what it was, but they had some explanation. And then by contrast, it's like, why has Alex Sam got two spoons? Oh, fuck knows. Mm, I mean, gone. the reason is that he's kind of quietly based on Yuri Keller. Yeah, oh, all the psychics are. That's that's why they all have spoons. <laughs> but look, I'm sorry, I've just found it. Um, we're looking at oh, there's there's no the pagination's terrible. Mm. Did Pokemon do it before Matrix? I see the big spoon. It doesn't look like a spoon from that angle. <laughs> Does it not look like a spoon? It looks like a flat shovel from the angle. Isn't that what a spoon is at its core? Yeah, but like a shovel that you can dig holes with, not like a spoon that you can like break out of Shawshank. Yeah, okay. That's second Shawshank yeah. me- uh, reference on the podcast. There's going to be one a week. Yeah. If, if I can sneak them in, I will. <laughs> or, or sneak them out. <laughs> that was magical uh, that's I what you people that. come here for anyway Absolutely. yeah um the yeah the the mewtwo is definitely the defining thing or was especially why they went anime and then they set up the movie in the anime yeah. but yeah the manga coming back to the manga i definitely found that one of my issues was again i would see these stories playing out just like the game and I would have this kind of weird, on the one hand, I'm like, well, I've seen this already. But on the other hand, I'm like, I'm seeing this in, in manga storytelling mm. form rather than in 
with this manga and anime comparatively, they could do the exact same stories as just frame different medium. Frame. Yes. But the game is a whole different beast, especially mm. back then. So like the the force field around um the big city, I can't remember which yeah. one. Yeah. But so in the game, there was just four points of access and you just couldn't get in. Yeah. There was it was like you don't have a ticket and you there's you can't get a ticket till you get into the city. But yeah, then it, it turns saffron, out, wasn't it? yeah, then there's a uh, mountain cave thing that if you go through that way and then you can kind of sneak in that way. So reading the manga, it was really interesting when they're like, oh, it's a force field. We can't get in. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's like the game. Like, but that wasn't a force field back it's then. So, a different reason. So there's this really weird experience of like familiarity, but also this is new. This is different. This feels weird. You know, so I had that a lot. That's just one example. I had that yeah. almost with every story beat of this manga. Yeah. So it was hard to get a really objective look at like what are these stories like when I have this previous experience. But on the whole, I was engaged with it. I enjoyed, you know, not knowing necessarily what was coming up next. Um, I like the interactions with the Pokemon. Um, I think the red being the, you know, train with your heart kind of guys, like it feels dated now, but back then it was probably very not new like it's basic storytelling but it back then it it felt a bit fresher especially in the mainstream and i think because like later on like later iterations like Yu-Gi-Oh, for example was the um believe in the heart of the cards and yes. and all that um i think beyblades had something like that as well yeah well beyblades had the bit chips believe in your spinning top yeah, yeah that kind of thing <laughs> i think if we were reading this in the original Japanese, it would make more sense. I oh, should have said I would have broken out my bloody uh, translator. Well, this is it, isn't it? I know Domorogato. <laughs> but I imagine, it. I imagine what what you've cut down to the core to there is this kind of prevailing sense in Japanese culture mm. of work hard, do the thing, honor with your Pokemon. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of it's it's a Western translation of the honor system that they have in japan that doesn't necessarily exist in the west anymore yes and so i think that's kind of a common thread in a lot of japanese media intended for children because they are partly allegorical right yeah oh yeah we're always like especially in japan like i think children have, and for the most part in the west anything children based had to be like what's the lesson what are we teaching it the had kids to have some moral context 100 percent, which the game didn't the game gives you a silent protagonist who is kind of mooching about doing his thing. It's very non-linear as well. Like once you get to the kind of mid-game, you can pretty much go where you want and tackle the really? gym. Scene. Yeah, once you hit mid-game, Erica, uh, Erica, Koga, Sabrina, you can do in whatever order you want. But I would argue that I think if you don't know that, it still feels linear. Because yeah. I don't remember getting to a point where it's like, well, you can go this way if you want, or you can go this way for like the yeah. first time. I think you don't know that, but the game directs you in a way that you you naturally go one way or the other. And not even necessarily in a particular order, but it just feels like you're it still going linear. Because you have been linear for like half the time, you mm. you wouldn't have any reason to think it's changed all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, it's the manga definitely has uh, its lessons to impart. What I thought what was interesting was the um, there's the Pokemon fan club, yeah. And Red is like, uh, oh yeah, I like battle mine, and like oh, you battle yours, <laughs> and then the lesson at the end, like Red battles to save the kidnapped yeah. Pokemon. So the lesson at the end becomes 
don't be a pussy and make your Pokemon fight. <laughs> <laughs> you have this magical beast that can shoot fire, use it. Yes, right? exactly. And I'll tell you what, growing up, my parents will bloody attest to this for sure. When I played the Pokemon game, my like all the time, I would constantly say, God, I wish Pokemon were real. To the point where I think my mum started off as like, oh, that's nice, dear, to will you shut up about they're not real. Shut up. Like I mean, that. I kind of still feel that way. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I've had other fandoms since then. So like, yeah. but back then that was my first fandom. So mm. I think that's the natural reaction as a kid to our generation having franchises and I these think, massive worlds. You yeah. wish you were in that world. I think the idea of the family dog being big enough and smart enough that it can just be with you at all times is magical. Yeah. And that's also why they kept Pikachu out of the pokeball for the anime they not only did they want him to be marketable and be on screen as much as possible but it definitely added to that not the people the reason that people liked him was not only is he a cute animal but the fact that he was always by your side on your shoulder following you you could talk to him in a way intelligent and intelligent he understood you that was the main thing and red's pikachu is incredibly intelligent yeah Pikachu did for Pokemon what uh, Ross Geller's monkey did for monkeys in Friends. <laughs> People were like, oh, we, oh, we yeah. could do that? Like, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he was he was infinitely marketable, wasn't he? He wasn't originally intended to be the mascot. So uh, let me, let me. It, it was there one that was intended to be? They thought that Clefairy might be the mascot. Oh, that's weak. He's weak source, isn't it? Because yeah. if you think Pikachu, you can only, in the, in the original games, you can only catch Pikachu in one place. Yeah, yeah. And he's really hard to get. Oh yeah, I I struggle to. He has a five percent encounter rate. Um, so you amongst like some weak like like weevils and weedles and caterpies. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's the bugs and a Pikachu, mm. and you would have to spend more time in Viridian Forest than I think any six year old ever did to find the Pikachu. And so he kind of they kind of plucked him from obscurity and made him the mascot. And again, I th- I don't know if this comic contributed to that. This manga. This manga. <laughs> we need a we need a ticker. Like, we need it, yeah. Absolutely. How many times? Can you it, edit that in? It's been uh oof, I you know what? I think I reckon I I reckon I can. You I reckon, reckon you I can. That's but awesome. the first one's gonna be weird. It's gonna be like you're gonna hear you're gonna hear like a you're gonna hear a ding and everyone's like, what's that? And it's only by the third one, they're like, Oh, that's what that is. That's what's going on there. I uh, um, tell you what, once we get to the point where we've got a soundboard, it's gonna yeah. be all like it's gonna be Dingo and the baby. <laughs> Dingo and the baby. That's from that's a family, family guy, guy reference. reference. Yeah. The only thing I could think of, like, because we don't have that type of radios here. No. We have, like, it's bloody Jim White here on the re- breakfast hour. And you're like, I've never heard this person. I'm like, don't you like Jim White? Like, <laughs> you know, I've ne- I don't know who this person is. Yeah, absolutely. Jim White's great. He, he prank calls people and pretends to be their mum. And you're like, all right. Dude, I have a CD player. Okay. You in have a CD car. player? Okay. Like in my car, I have oh, a CD Oh, that's why you don't... <laughs> you like, were just boasting about having a CD player. <laughs> yeah, I like, dude. I have a CD player. I was going to be like, good for you. You're doing really well for yourself nowadays. <laughs> in my hovel. <laughs> yes, you have a CD player. Well done. It's the mark of uh, middle class these days. I realised that having a CD player in your car is as rare now as it was when they were expensive. Yeah, it goes back. Yeah, technology. Like, nothing lasts forever. But, yeah, absolutely. But... We're on a tangent. Um, let's, let's talk about obsolescence in the middle of this podcast. Is it, ob- is it obsolescence? Obsolescence. Is it obsolescence? Well, we should have think. Well, I should have mentioned this, right? I need to write this into the opening intro. The reason that the podcast is called 
comic literate is because I consider myself the comic expert. And if you use that word sparingly, I uh, expert, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the comic familiar, the, I'm the comic guy and you holding the literature degree are the literate part Yeah, of it. I have an English degree. Exactly. So while it's a clever comic literate, like, you know, you, know, you can read comics, but there's, these are the two halves of the podcast. Yeah. I need to put that in the intro because I haven't for the past two. No, so we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I did, a, I did a whole thing. It You know, it was a few years where I read books and got drunk, I suppose. And what are you doing now? Reading books again. No, I don't. I don't drink anymore. <laughs> I don't drink anymore. I just now I just read books. You see, people can change, <laughs> and that's the moral of the episode. <laughs> um, right, so back onto Pokemon. Uh, yeah, because you know why not? I think I just made notes like as I was kind of going on, so they might be just sporadic and random. Uh, so okay. Uh, Chap- Ryan's notes time. My, my notes times. Um, chapter one versus Mew, crazy. Although I like the chapter structure of the who the versus the Pokemon is. So yeah. if you don't know the Pokemon, the chapter heading is versus like Taurus. Yeah. And you're like, what's a Taurus? I'm looking forward to finding out what that is. And then you discover what a Taurus is and you realize it's badass. Exactly, yeah. Um, manga style reading was difficult to get used to. Right to left. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I constantly would, I'd get into it and I'd be absolutely fine reading it. And then I would put it down, do something, come back and immediately I'd start reading from the left <laughs> again and go, oh, for God's sake. Like, the whole oh, that thing doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And I, that happened literally every time. Yeah. I think you have to read manga. And this is my, this is my first manga. So that's why I had the, this is my first manga. Yeah. I only got into animes like a couple of years ago. And even then I, like, a few select. So I'm not an anime guy. Um, but I've read One Piece and Dragon Ball and a bit of Bleach and this. So you're way more of a manga guy than an anime guy. Oh, yeah. No, I've watched... You nerd. <laughs> says the, actually, says the I comic actually guy. like the original manga. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, is that guy, ladies oh, and gentlemen? Oh, I actually read manga. Um, no, and so, yeah, this was this was, again, probably one of my firsts. Mm. Up and down the years, although One Piece is a long one, as is Bleach. Um, what but, did you think of the art style? The art style, uh, I it didn't have as much of an impact on me because I was just comparing it constantly to the game and the right. and the anime. I mean, it's good; it depicts. I I still not used to the black and whiteness of mangas. Um, yes, I feel like if you start with comics, especially, then when you get to mangas, it just feels like they're missing something. And this has never been colorized. Yes, and there's a couple of mangas that I like would maybe dip my toe into, but the awareness they're going to be black and white is kind of almost puts me off. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of One Punch Man. Like, yeah. and we're, we're going to do that for an episode at some point. That's another manga I've read. One Punch Man's really good. Exactly, and being the superhero guy, like One Punch Man is like a cr- critique mm. and a parody and a satire, so that's very it's very good in it, all those things. But yeah, the, it, it puts me off the black and whiteness. Um, I mean, I still enjoyed it, so it's not like, it's not like it was an issue at all. And I read The Walking Dead original. That was all in Again, black and white. Yeah, black and grey. Yeah. Um, anime style or manga style drawings do take a little bit to get used to as well. They have their own way of, you know, showing things. And the speech style in some parts I do find is a bit over-expositional sometimes. And I think yeah. that's a translation thing. Oh, I think it is. I think it's to do with the way it's been translated. Mm-hmm. 
And also, and I don't know if this was the copy I was reading or what, but what is it when they say KU over and over again? Do you know what I mean? Oh, I think that's like... That um, laughter? Yeah. Like I, a, I literally, I was reading, I was like, who, who is Ku? Like, is he, is he a, is he a Yeah, no, they're laugh sounds. Right. Um, again, it's, you know, the, the, how the French call the dog, a, a Frenchman would say a dog goes bow wow, and an English person would say they go woof. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I get the concept, yeah. So yeah, a Japanese person would say a laugh sounds like a kiki 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 as opposed right. to a ha ha. So they thought they were translating correctly by being like, this is the noise we are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. In the same way that if, a, if an English person went woof. If you don't use that particular sound, you'd be like, what is that? Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, the, there was a little thing with them referring to Ivysaur as just saw. And I thought yeah. there was always a gap on the speech bubble before. I thought my copy, for some reason, had missed out the word Ivy. Like it just removed it. Yeah, I don't remember noticing that. So it may that may well be just your copy or it might be something. No, that- no. So the reason I know it's not is because in between... So the specials, they're the collection of the two yeah. volumes, essentially. At the beginning of the volume, once Bulbasaur becomes an Ivysaur, they have his Pokemon at the front. So that, you know, when they do a kind of rundown, yeah. here's a story. They have the Pokemon. It's like Pikachu, Polyrath, and they just, in quotes, Saw, S-A-U-R, and then under that, Ivysaur. So it might be his nickname. Yeah, it's his nickname. But it's just a weird, like, it's like if I called you me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why have you taken that part? Or like, but only one Pokemon gets a nickname. Like, there's, a, there's like Pikachu is called Pika in it, isn't it? They, they yeah. he has a nickname. But there's only a finite amount of them that ended up with nicknames. Pika, like Pikachu, he says it himself, and it kind of comes across. He's like, "Hey guys, call me Pika from now on. Like, <laughs> we are not. We will never call you. Hey guys, call, yeah. me, call me Mad Dog. Like, <laughs> fly, fly the Concord's reference. Absolutely, uh, yeah." Um, it's just allowed it's valid uh interesting little choices like the pokeballs are see-through i know and isn't that cool it's it adds something and i guess the reason they didn't do in the anime is because they didn't couldn't be asked to animate it but also it makes more of a sense technologically you've got this like device especially in the 90s this device that like turns pokemon into data almost which they they don't show in the manga because i guess they without color that would that would look weird like yeah why is a gust of wind going into the pokeball or something exactly but in the anime, it's that, you know, like the, the noise. like, And, and it goes like, red when you're catching it and white when you're letting it exactly. out. And it's a whole so thing. So as a piece of technology, I think it would be weird if it was see-through. Yeah. Whereas in the manga, they come across almost like magical glass balls almost. Yeah. I th- uh, yeah, that's something that struck me when I first read it. Mm. Um, I've, I've made the note and I've already said that before, but I'm just repeating again. After starting the concept of Pokemon, then immediately introduces Phantom Pokemon. Yeah, I've said it before, but again, it's, it's but wild, isn't it? But the, also, one thing I put is the guy who originally came up with it um, for for Game Freak as a game. He was inspired by insect collecting, wasn't he? That was his childhood hobby. Yeah. So he was like, and he was like, "Oh, kids don't really play with insects or stuff. They're like indoors. So rather than being like, why don't I get kids involved in insect collecting and get them outdoors again? He was like, I'm gonna." Come into the kids' homes. <laughs> I'm going to make them collect on the, the electronic devices that they're now playing on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But it's just like, like, uh, like, oh, kids, they're always like indoors on their phones and stuff. Like, I'm going to make them do this specific hobby on their phones. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I, I, I admire his foresight. He knew obviously where everything was heading technologically. And he was like, I'm going to make these kids collect creatures and monsters if it's going to kill me. Yeah. But again, then he went straight from zero, nothing, to 150 Pokemon 
all these different types. Yeah, no, he it was it was ambitious, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, the um, Misty knew what grass were resistant to water. No, no, Misty did not know that grass types were resistant to water, but she recognized the move Leech Seed, which is specifically a grass type move. Yeah, I'm just saying plot hole so big you could drive a truck through it. You know, and ruined Misty, my ruined my immersion. And Misty and Brock aren't quite so central. Well, Misty more so than Brock. Brock's yeah. just a one-off. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Misty's important, but I suppose Misty was a fan favourite because... Everyone, For reasons we will... I'd prefer not to get into. Everyone loves the waifus. She's, she's a loves, child, though. She's, mate, I'm sorry. Like, she's as close to a waifu please, as you get. Please, stop talking right now. <laughs> have you I want this heard, to take... I want this podcast to take off. Have you ever heard of Misty's Tears? Do not. Whatever, I, uh, whatever you're about to say, please don't. <laughs> Can you tell me off air? No, I'm telling you no. Is it how bad is it? It's pretty bad. Oh, can we? Misty's Tears. Oh Jesus! Is a Pokemon card that only got released with its original artwork in Japan. Oh, I'm scared because it's Misty crying, holding her dead Starmie. Oh, thank God! I thought but it was you can be see side boob. Oh, for Christ's sake! Why did they do that? I thought it was going to be a dead Pokemon. I was like. <laughs> like no, a, no, and you know I'm what? relieved for Don't a Ryan, second. It's sought after. You go of on eBay. Of course, it fucking is. Um, everyone, everyone wants a copy of Misty's Tears. Just uh... <laughs> like, uh, if you're one of those people listening now, stop listening. Just delete wherever you're listening on. Just. Jamie don't. quietly hides his binder of Pokemon cards. <sighs> I don't have a copy. I don't have a copy. <laughs> I don't. I not. can. I can guarantee. Right, you've heard my reaction. If he did have a copy, this podcast would be over. So. <laughs> Seriously, if you've got a podcast, if you've got a copy, just show me. What else in the notes? Uh, Pokemon's... Ah, ah, this is uh, something that I thought was interesting. So the manga looks... It, it's it's dedicated for the, for the game, right? It's like yeah. get people involved in the game. Like uh, you read the manga and you go, oh, here's an awesome game as well for it. That was the end goal. And you can tell that because there's parts of the manga which are exactly, not only like screenshots of the game, which is something in itself, but Red is in the Pokemon Center and he's on the computer and the computer yeah. is in the exact corners, the same as the games. Yeah. The counter is the exact same as the game, but not just a s- screenshot from the game. It's literally a, a manga interpretation. Fully rendered. Of the exact, it literally feels like you're going from one... Uh, medium to another like you're literally jumping in and out of a type of visual you know artwork and display yeah it's so interesting if you are an adult in 2022 looking for some good pokemon nostalgia this i think serves that purpose better than the anime that i mean replaying the game rewatching the anime is good because you're visiting stuff you probably had before yeah this is good because it's it has beats and twists that you don't know because it's not exact but there's just as again there's hardcore nostalgic moments where you just go oh i remember that yeah like, oh it's exactly exactly how it looks that punched me right in the 90s exactly yeah, yes absolutely uh, interesting that I made a note of. Red randomly uses a smoke bomb at one point. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That happens. Does he? D- it was this established? It's <laughs> like oh, good Ooh. thing I've got these smoke bombs as well as my Pokemon. Again, I think this is something which, um, I think the guys who were writing this had some kind of insight into what was happening in the development team for the games. And you think stuff 
didn't then make it? Or? Well, no, because sm- a smoke ball is an item that appears in in Generation Two. Okay, right. So in Gold and Silver, the smoke ball appears as an item. Hmm. Um, and Pokemon Gold and Silver came out in the year. 2001 2003 it was in development from about 97 98 um and so i th- i honestly think that the people who are writing this had some kind of insight as to what was coming from the games mm. and that's just an element of generation two that kind of got chucked in there the reason i thought that it might have been removed from the first one is it sounds like one of those things that they planned for the first games and then when we don't have the technology and then when they did have the technology in the second time, they were like, yeah. oh, let's put the smoke bombs back in. But I just thought, in a, but even in the manga itself, like if you completely ignore the games, the manga itself, imagine any series not <laughs> related to like spies or, you know, like that kind of and spycraft stuff. has a smoke bomb. <laughs> well, just ran, like, just randomly like, oh, we're in this dodgy situation. We've been in a few dodgy situations before. Normally we fight our way out, but this time I have a smoke bomb. You're like, wait, what? Where? Where did you get it from? Are these? Have you bought some? Are they now? Are you incorporating them in your adventures from now on? We never like, see them again. Exactly. That's the craziest. Like, yeah. it's like they brought in a, a substitute writer for a week. He's like, ah, no, he uses a smoke bomb. It's like Red doesn't really have smoke bombs. He does now for one week only, with no exposition to explain how he acquired it. They could have at least had just one. Like, he goes to a shop, and they're like. Oh, lucky you, kid. You came in. I got one last smoke bomb left. And he's like, okay, I don't really use smoke bombs. It's like, oh, they're brilliant. You just you know, yeah, chuck them on the ground. You disappear. Your enemy's like, where'd he go? And he buys one. He uses it. It's like, oh, it's a shame I could only get one, the one. <laughs> and then he goes back to the store where he bought it from. And the guy has disappeared. And people don't, like, they're like, well, that man died 100 years ago. Mm. And then you, you, you just keep on with oh, the journey. And then it's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're writing Pokemon. I'm writing Pokemon better than it was originally written. Don't at me, but um, <laughs> the adult violence in it, I think, is no. very, it's, it's few and far in between. Like we said about the torture stuff with the, the Pokemon attacks, but also Arbok gets literally sliced in half. Yeah. No blood, but you see inside. It's used sparingly, and I think that gives it its potency. Mm. Like the moment I mentioned earlier where Giovanni has Red pinned up against the wall with his Beedrill's stinger. So we have to establish Beedrill is a Pokemon and not a euphemism. <laughs> I think we should make that clear. Yeah, absolutely. So Beedrill is a big B with yes. two stingers for hands. Yes. And it has the protagonist, Red, pinned up against the wall with that stinger. And that, like Pokemon on human violence, is something that doesn't really exist outside of this piece of media in the genre, in the in the franchise it technically does in the anime but in a very sanitized version so like ash would get electrocuted and they'd be like oh he's been electrocuted again and um james and jesse would get exploded like every episode yeah, and that so was like a cartoonish car uh you know coyote road runner like Whoa, yeah that kind of thing Ding. yes exactly. so yeah pikachu would electrocute people jesse and james would get exploded and then in the film there was a lot of psychic violence that happened yeah yeah the psychic violence seems a bit more like at the time you kind of don't realize how bad it is and then later in life you're like they're in his mind yeah that's pretty insidious isn't it yeah but yeah that it's used as a as a plot device free not infrequently but it's used as a plot device relatively regularly in this Mm. and i think it is one of the things that lends it a little bit of a grittiness that nothing else in the franchise really has yes as uh, uh, i mean any other 
type of it for sure. I don't know how the mangas, if that continues through them or if they also get sanitized because of the popularity and they're like, we have to make these more kid-friendly to appeal I've to wide audience. i read like the third or fourth volume. Mm. And to be honest with you, the second volume is darker. Really? Yeah, the second volume um, has this little kid called Gold in it. That's gold and silver, I'm guessing. Isn't it? Yeah. What is with the color names? Like, it's a th- They ran out. Of names. Well, they ran out of color names for a while, and they stopped doing them. <laughs> we need more colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're back to color name, color names. That's but they're weird. reusing an existing color because it's scarlet and violet. Right. So it's red and purple versions. Well, they're technically different, I suppose. But it's just what? Well, just why colors? Like why? Like Ash was a great name just for you know anime protagonist. Yeah. Well, like was it short for Ashley? We don't know. It's just <laughs> Ash, but. They had that cool thing in the film where it was like, the world will turn to ash. And they were like, they were Norfolk. That's what's going on here. We got there. But yeah, it's, it's just it's just weird. It, it, always, it would break my emotion a little bit when they go, oh, there's green. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a name. Like, yeah. There's blue. Like, oh, blue is a woman. Because the, the Pokemon was amazingly progressive back then, surprisingly, <laughs> where they gave blue to a woman. I don't know. I thought about this. Like, I don't know if Japan, they just didn't have those stereotypical gender colors. I don't know if they, because I think, am I right in thinking? I don't know if you know this or not. The Power Rangers, pink was a man in the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, they just don't have these gender colors yeah. like we have in the West. Um, I can't believe the podcast has already gotten to this place. But um, are we talking about the inherent racism of the Power Rangers? No, 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 no. The fact that I'm going to have to now mention something that every conversation comes back to at some point. Are you about to mention Hitler? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I am. Yeah, it was the Nazis. Right. Okay. Um. There, there, there was, there was a, there was a passing gender binary and color that existed in the Victorian era in Britain. Um. But generally, pink was used for little boys, and blue was used for little girls. So it's the opposite. Yeah, and then the Nazis flipped it. Right. Um, so I think, please someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the Nazis. Essentially what you're saying, uh, what you're sticking to your guns on, is that anyone who uses blue for boys and pink for girls is a Nazi. Absolutely. All right, as long as we've got that cleared up, uh, that's, yeah, uh, no. that's the message we're uh, <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. Fuck the gender binary, we protect trans youth. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Be whatever colour you want. Absolutely. fucking lately. I mean, I Be- think we've I think we've established how uh we don't follow the norms here, because otherwise we wouldn't talk about we wouldn't be two men in our thirties talking about comics on a podcast. Yeah, so this is it. Do like, whatever makes you happy. Absolutely. Um but yeah, no, I don't I don't think such a strong binary existed in Japan. And so yeah, I don't think the colours mattered as such. Yeah. The fact that they used colors and names at all was it the same in the Japanese? Was it literally like Japanese translate like whatever red in J- in Japanese was that the character's name? I can only assume so. Yeah, it's because I can imagine that being a weird thing. Where you have you ever seen like there's old like fighting games? I can't remember what I can't remember which specific series it was, but one of the earliest fighting games that came out of Japan. They created they were all like, meant to be like Japanese characters for the most part, and if the, there was like an American character in one of these games, and it was like. We need to give an American name. So the <laughs> American characters name something like Johnny Rockhard or something <laughs> like that. And that's just like, what Americans called. I don't know. An absolute porn name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just, or even literally like 
Tommy America. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. That was their extent of their, that was their own version of like ignorant of other cultures. <laughs> but that time it's funny because, you know, it's America. So who cares? It's like the Roti John, isn't it? The what? The Roti John is a sandwich from an Asian country that I can't remember. Um, and it's called the Roti John because and bun, America, GIs would turn up and ask for a hamburger. And they would try and describe a hamburger to people. And they'd be like, yeah, it's like beef in a in bread. And so they called it a roti because that's what bread is called. Right. And John, because all the Americans were called John. Johnny America. And they put minced beef in bread and were like, there, I suppose. <laughs> and it's called the roti John. <laughs> that's great. That's cool. That's a cool tidbit. So uh, that's a cool tidbit to end on, to be fair. I think, we've, think? Uh, I think we've covered, I think we've covered most of, at least what I've read, but also I think the general connotations and stuff i think going into volume two eventually does sound very interesting because mm. if it's, especially if it's darker but we're definitely gonna we we're definitely gonna space out this for the next big pokemon release so we can yeah. tie in on that seo and get that sweet you know search exactly. optimization exactly yeah. whenever the next big pokemon's oh one thing we should end on what was your favorite what is or was your favorite pokemon i like gyarados a lot yeah, that's a fair answer. It's an unusual, not unusual. It's a rarer one because people always associate Gyarados with um, Magikarp. Yeah, 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 which is one of the best jokes from the anime, and I, I assume they eventually get court, to. Court, Magikarp. I was surprised they introduced Gyarados before Magikarp because that was the joke yeah. in the anime. It was like this useless fish <laughs> Pokemon, and then oh, it's a Gyarados. Oh, jeez. I think it was partial to Scyther growing mm, up because Scyther's badass. Yeah, nice for hands and kind of a Wolverine aesthetic, which I might yeah. have already known about by then. Or I or, was, or went Scyther than Wolverine. But yeah, that was a really cool one to me. Have you seen Scyther's most recent evolution? Oh, they're all bloody. Uh, I'll tell you this, this is a point I was gonna make. I only care about the original 151. Oh no, Scyther so in the most recent Pokemon game, Legends Arceus, which is very cool. Legends um, Arceus. Yeah, so it's set in the... That's like a, pon- uh, a Monty Python joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's set in the game world of the fourth generation, but it's set hundreds of years ago. Right. Um, It's very cool. It's very open world. It's pretty fun. Okay. Um, But he gets an evolution called Cleavor, who has axes for hands. Okay. And he is badass. I mean, I'm looking at him now and... Uh... It feels a bit try-hard compared to Scyther. Scyther was yeah. like, he was smooth where he needed to be, and then he had the sharpness and like, he had a cool bug aesthetic, you know? An interesting thing happened in Pokemon design where they became a bit more generally cutesy and a little bit less representative of life. Yeah. Um, somebody did a really interesting thing where they compared the bird, like the early root bird from every Pokemon game, because there's always one. Right. And put them all in the style of Pidgey and then put them all in the style of the most recent one from the last game and showed you how the style had evolved so much um, to the extent that Gen 1 Pokemon kind of look a bit out of place in Pokemon games now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I, and again, I think that this game, this this manga, before we finish, yes, um, does something really interesting with all the artwork. I think the artwork is stunning. The artwork is really the good. the character design and the modelling of the Pokemon, I think it's like great primary source pokemon design for anybody who has a passing interest in the franchise i think it's very indicative of the success of the franchise mm. was just the the pokemon were the main thing obviously and they looked and great if the pokemon looked great that's what really carried things along people were kids 
played this game and it's like, look, all these creatures. And you just saw these creatures, like these look crazy and different. And like, there's so many of them and they're like individually cool. And I really like that one out of the other ones. So I want to yeah. get that one. Like that's, I think was a huge part was the artwork. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the artwork, uh, I do have a surprise that is not going to be great for the listeners, but mm. if you could just fill time for like a few seconds, okay, you can, can describe what I'm doing if you want, but I'm just going to take these headphones off. Ryan's taking off his, his cans off and he's going into his Deadpool bag. He's Russell Russell. He's rustling away. Oh my, Ryan. You want to describe what you're looking at here? Oh, Ryan has produced a binder of original... 90s pokemon cards what ryan doesn't know is that i'm currently an avid pokemon card collector you say i didn't know that like i didn't bring them around so you could evaluate them and tell me which ones are oh worth my. anything so it's just a bunch a whole heap of base set uh, so to get across well it's in a old ass work binder that no child would be caught dead with like it's a, a proper work office 90 stationary binder it's just majestic. But then you open it and it's m- not mint condition, but the very well kept condition uh, Pokemon cards. Original, literally first genera- first Western America, Europe generation Pokemon cards. Yeah. And o- in order as well. Mm. So the gaps, it, the gaps you see are because they're in order and I didn't have them all. Mm. You see two of the three legendary birds. I do. And then um, you've got the, what released after that, the Gym, uh, the gym hero set. Gym hero set. Oh, wow. This is... I love seeing this. I love seeing people's old collections. And one thing I was going to mention, uh, a point I was going to make was, I remember as a child mm. uh, getting into the second generation with the gold and silver games. Yeah. And that was an extra hundred, wasn't it? Extra hundred yeah. Pokemon. And at the time that felt like, oh, cool. We've got now this extra hundred on top of the original 150. Like this is a cool addition and a new you know thing to explore and everything and then when they did the third generation as a child i went they're gonna keep doing this forever i need to i'm stop. stopping now and that was like i don't know like 11 12 yeah i like saw the future and i was like i'm not gonna keep up they're just gonna keep doing it capitalism ruins everything i'm stopping now yeah absolutely yeah no absolutely and even now like i've got a little bit of fondness for that second generation extra 100 but really yeah. really i'm a core 151 only kind of guy yeah I, uh, that's my prized scyther oh yeah he's shiny nice. that electro buzz was from the um the movie the movie yeah yeah no, i'm very familiar with these the the holding because mine all disappeared mm. so i've i've started a new collection as an adult um and what's good as well is some of those have variations behind them. So rather than doing more, some of them have the non some th- are thicker, yeah, and not like the original or like the additional ones. There's uh, extra ones behind them. Mm. my prize one, I used to have the Charizard, and I think I traded it. I think I must have because I remember owning it. By drugs I'm, as a teenager, <laughs> uh, probably for fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Like by that I, point. Need, I do, I do. I'm gonna get you one sleeve. You're gonna get me a sleeve. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna produce one sleeve and sleeve one of these cards for you. Okay. Um, because there's one that needs to be in a sleeve. Ooh. You would tell me which one it is, or yeah, it's the Master. Oh, okay, so the weird shiny that that's 
shinier than the others. Yeah, that is a reverse holo from Legendary Collection. Right. Legendary Collection was a reprint of the first two or three sets. Okay. So it had base set and jungle and a bit of rocket in it, I think. But the re- it was the first instance of the reverse hollows. Right. So it had one of these in every pack. Um, and they are generally worth more than base set hollows. Okay. At this point, unless you get like one of the big three in really good condition. Mm. Um, yeah, the legendary collection. Um, um, am I okay to pull a card out? Yeah, sure. Right? Go ahead. I don't, um, I don't know. The the legendary collection reverse hollows are worth quite a lot. Oh my god, he's eating. He's got chicken grease on his fingers. Now he's like licking oh, his lips while he's holding the card. Oh, he rubbed his dick on it. Oh, what's he doing? <laughs> Why are you gonna take it too far, man? <laughs> Yeah, these aren't in bad condition. Yeah, I said they've literally they've sat in an attic in the plastic yeah. sleeves for for decades. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? Um, yeah, they're not in they're not in terrible condition. So they the are... the one you were looking at, the reverse hollow, is that is there a ballpark figure on? Like, are we, t- are we talking a million, two million? No, like... no, like sub one hundred certainly. Okay. Um, but they're just very cool and they're hard to come by. Like you don't see them very often. Uh, so one minute. It's also in quite nice condition compared to the rest. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. Yeah, I think if there's any you want, like maybe I'll maybe I'll hang on to them till your next birthday rolls around, and then maybe that'll be like in a card or something. Okay. Oh my god. I get there's a shiny Gyarados in there. I know. I know. And do you know what? I've been after a base set Gyarados for a while. Ah well. I'm that's pl- not. That's in very nice condition, Ryan. Well done. This is probably going to be one of the most interesting things abs on any of these episodes because I've got no- I've got nothing else like. Like this. What we have other. show and tell where Jamie's like, show us your Pokemon cards, mate. What, just every, even when we're not talking about Pokemon cards. <laughs> and now the weekly Pokemon card section. Dude, I could quite happily do a weekly Pokemon card section. I own enough Look, at if this, this point. If this podcast takes off and we get a fan base and they're just like, we want to hear you guys just talking about anything, we'll look into like a Pokemon card okay. um, pod, weekly podcast. I think we should end here. Yep. There's a um, good place to end on. I've had a wonderful time. Yeah, as always. I hope you all have at home as well. I have a thing to pimp out. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's something I did a while ago that I'm gonna. I've start, kind of started working on again, called Myths for Sad Grown Ups, and it's where I retell. This sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's where I do improvised retellings of ancient myths as stories, as bedtime stories for grown ups. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, so it's called Mr. Sad Grown Ups. It's on YouTube. There is what, one episode available currently. I will reserve my judgment until I've listened to an episode, and then I'll give a, a biting critique of exactly what I think about it okay, ne- well, and for next week's episode. That'll be follow up. Should we also decide what we're going to do for next week? Because we made this mistake last. We made the mistake last week, and we almost didn't we we very late in the game decided to do this yeah and this was a bit of a hail mary because i knew we just we had stuff to say on this and it it wasn't going to be the end of the world if i didn't read it because we could have filled an hour anyway i feel like yeah absolutely so but you know we're going to be regimented we're going to be strict we're going to give the people what they want so have you ever read mouse Yes, I starred Mouse. So um, do we want to go into that for the third episode? Do we, do we want a bit of uh, experience on this format before we tackle something that's a bit heavier and a bit more gravitas? Because okay. um, like, we will, we 100%, we will do Mouse soon. Should we do it? Should we do a deep dive episode where we talk specifically about one issue of a comic? I think, so what, we analyse the one issue intently or that we talk about like the larger world no, yeah, we 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 analyze one issue. Okay, um, I think that would be fun. 
All right, yeah, we will do a special uh, one-off. Uh, I'll find us a comic. Um, yeah, maybe we could do. I tell you what, let's get uh, let's get a recent one. Let's get a current one that's out now. Yeah, something a bit, and we can because I, I think that's going to be format going forward at some point. I think I would like us to hit current things that are happening so we can yeah. get a bit more like up up to date and engaged. Um, so yeah, I will. I'll find us something that's maybe just started that we don't have any uh previous knowledge about or anything like and that we'll just read it on the day and talk about issue one yep i think that's a good plan so uh it's a bit of a mystery but tune in next week to find out what we're doing as with every episode um we will have some socials coming up and at some once we have the socials up and running hopefully by the time this episode comes out then uh that will be jamie spiel at the end you'll i'll give you you can run through them all and have a bit of fun with them and sounds uh, like good fun i can do exactly it. uh the comic stan uh youtube channel will be launching uh i think early next year due to logistic uh recording space issues uh which i'll leave at that <laughs> yeah absolutely but it will be happening and i will be uh kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of comics myself and kind of looking at i suppose a superhero comics for the most part as well because they are the most popular and kind of my issues with them and my issues with issues that could be ooh, ooh, ooh i've just ooh, ooh. that's that's so good issues my issues with issues, 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 issues. yeah i think that might be the name all right fantastic great space to end and uh i thank you for coming with us on this journey and we will see you in the next one we'll see you in the next one goodbye